You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your boy, Matt Bruning, back at it today on Monday, January 14th, a day after, well, let's just be honest, craptastic divisional round football playoff. Uh, not a great weekend for the NFL playoffs. Uh, I personally went one and three, went three and one the week before. Uh, just not a good weekend for NFL football. I really thought, uh, as I talked about on Friday's podcast, that each of these teams left in the playoffs had a chance to compete win and get to the Super Bowl, and uh, it just feels like for those teams, the honestly, the top two seeds in each division, the AFC and the NFC, were by far better than everybody else. I mean, I know a lot of people want to point to the fact that the Eagles and Saints game was extremely close, but when you go back and look at it, the Saints dominated that game in almost every category. They just could not get the ball into the end zone, uh, where Philly did uh, on two plays that really kind of gave them the lead, and they didn't ended up not scoring another point the entire game. So yet again, for uh, the second straight year, all four of the top seeds have won. They are moving on into the championship round, and and I believe now this is the sixth year straight that we will have a neither one, sorry, either a one or two seeded team in the Super Bowl. Uh, so those buys have been crucial here uh, for the past six years, which is just incredible to think about. Uh, I remember going back to the days when you were sitting there talking about how wild card teams had a chance to make it in to the Super Bowl and win a game with the Packers and the Giants all the way back. I don't even remember how far ago it was. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but apparently it was because over the past, like I said, six years, the top Two seeded teams in the conferences have been making it to the Super Bowl, and it's just proven, a fa- proven the fact that buys are a big deal and that the extra rest is helping teams out. I really think it's more the coaching, allowing them to prepare more for their opponents, even though they technically don't know who they're playing just yet, still gives them that extra week to prepare and those players time to rest before their games. For today's podcast, we are going to go ahead and 
break down those four games. Just talk about, uh, obviously, the big plays, some of the playoff league uh, leaders here now in points and everything. And then uh, talk about, obviously, the four teams moving on. We have four teams left, two games on Sunday before we get to the Super Bowl, which is just crazy to think we are literally just three weeks away from the end of the NFL season. After that fact, we will talk a little bit of news. Uh, the Cleveland Browns making the Freddie Kitchens uh, head coaching move official today. He had a press conference. It was actually a fairly interesting press conference, in my opinion, and obviously some other stuff. Obviously, I talked about on Friday's podcast, though, having Mr. Dennis Bennett on with me today. That did not happen. I uh, unfortunately had... Uh, Bought the wrong stuff. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I bought the wrong equipment. I got the wrong jack at the store. So I had to order another one on Amazon. And that stuff's not coming in till later tonight. Uh, so he has some stuff going on with his regular job. I have some stuff going on with mine as well. So we just decided, you know what? We're just going to dive all in on prospects on Thursday. So anybody who is looking forward to hearing about uh, early talk on Dynasty prospects for the NFL draft. Because let's be honest, it is still early. The declaration date is Today, they have till midnight tonight to declare for the NFL draft. Cannot wait till tomorrow morning because I will be asleep by that point in time, although I would imagine most will have declared before then. Um, but by tomorrow, we will have a full picture of what the draft classes are going to look like, and I cannot wait to start breaking those down again. I've already broke down my top 10 back in week 8 of the college season. You can find those on QBList.com. If you go into the Going Deep section and scroll down, you will find my top 10 wide receivers. I have a top 10 running back and a top 5 quarterback as well. Though obviously the quarterback uh, one will be changed just a little bit because I did think Justin Herbert would come out at that time. He did not. So Dwayne Haskins, uh, who was my number 2 at the time, well, he just moved up to number 1. But that is what we're aiming for on Thursday, and I cannot wait. Uh, Dennis does a really good job with that, just like I feel I do. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about those prospects uh, because we have not talked at all who's in our top 10s. I mean, he's seen my list, but mine will change a little bit here. Uh, I've still been doing some breaking down of players, but wanted to wait until the class got official or went official uh, for, for me to really start getting into it. Obviously, uh, as I've talked about many times, my top 10 will change throughout the whole process. Uh, this will be a very... Very early look at it and do not, it's not written in stone at all. It is definitely written in pencil on a piece of paper here because it is going to change multiple times. But uh, we have been doing a little bit of talking back and forth here today and uh, we have decided that we are going uh, we're, we're not going to tell each other who we have in our top 10 so that we can make it as authentic as like a, oh man, oh shit, you have that person in your top 10? Okay, okay. So we can kind of go back and forth and talk about it a little bit here. Um, really excited to do that. Like I said, uh, probably just going to aim on doing quarterbacks and running backs on Thursday because uh, we do want to preview some of the games. I want to get his thoughts on the, uh, on the championship games coming up this weekend as well. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. All right, so going into going over the games from this past weekend, we will go in order. 
uh, like we did last week in the first game, being the Indianapolis Colts and the Kansas City Chiefs, which did not turn out at all the way I thought it would. Uh, again, I had actually picked the Colts for the upset here, though. Uh, a lot of people did. Uh, that was a very popular pick. And all I see, a lot of people had a lot of upsets this weekend. It makes sense now the more we think about it. Um, most of the time, these home teams end up coming through. And, and I should have thought more about that in picking three away teams to upset here. But the Colts uh, really did not look in this game at all. They ended up losing 13-31 to 31 here. Um, really, Andrew Luck did not do much for you. Just 203 yards in the air, one touchdown. Some people are going to say it had something to do with the weather and the fact that Indy is a dome team. I don't believe that at all. That offensive line just got blown up in this game. Kansas City came to play. They put Luck under pressure all game long. Marlon Mack sucked in this one. Just 46 yards on 9 carries. Naheem Hines, who I thought would be a big play if they got down and they did did nothing either with 24 yards on 3 carries. Uh, neither one did anything in the passing game at all. In fact, the only one in my opinion that did really anything in the passing game was T.Y. who yet again balled out in my opinion. At least 60 yards on 4 catches and a touchdown. So he was the only Colt to come through for you in any kind of playoff challenge here. Uh, Dontrell Inman, 55 yards on Four catches, Eric Ebron 51 on five. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes does it again. Though he doesn't throw any touchdowns and doesn't go over 300 yards, still puts up 278 here. Great. For him, uh, obviously, if you used him in one of those one weeks and you lose him thing, that sucks that this was the week you used him in. Uh, but if it's a multiplier thing, you know you already got that times two multiplier just for this week right here, which, yes, again, he didn't give you a whole lot of points. But moving forward and a chance to get into the Super Bowl, getting three games out of him will be huge uh, with those multipliers. Damian Williams continues to show why he should possibly be a RB1 next year. 129 yards on 25 carries and a touchdown looked awesome in this one again this was the first time that four uh four players first time in playoff history that four players scored four uh four different players scored a rushing touchdown so Patrick Mahomes got you a rushing touchdown uh which again helps you out Darrell Williams from LSU the rookie running back got you a rushing touchdown Tyree Kill got you a 36 yard rushing touchdown and then of course Damian Williams gets you the one as well in the receiving game it was all Travis Kelsey he led the way here with seven receptions on 108 yards on top of the 36 yard rushing Tyreek Hill gets you 72 on eight catches and then Sammy Watkins comes back that's right Sammy Watkins is not dead he is still alive for fantasy he is still around 62 yards on six catches uh obviously if you're Sammy Watkins owner if you're in a dynasty league sell him now if you could I mean do anything you could to get rid of him because I don't think He's going to be worth anything next year, but it was good to see him back on the field after dealing with the injury issues pretty much the whole entire second half of this season and out there helping the Chiefs get a much-needed win. Next up, another game that I thought was going to be much closer. Uh, the final score doesn't really show you the true picture as the Cowboys lose 22-30. to The Cowboys were not really in this game. The Rams controlled this game from the get-go. And the running backs just destroyed the Cowboys defense, as you guys are about to find out. So for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 
266 in the air with a touchdown. Does add a three-yard rushing touchdown. Was really surprising to me that that's all he did on the ground. I really thought that Dak would be able to add more with his legs in this game, especially if the Cowboys got down uh, but just couldn't get it going. The Rams were able to shut down Zeke in this one with only 47 rushing yards on 20 carries and a touchdown. Only adds 19 yards in the receiving game. They needed Zeke to come through big in this one, and he fell short, in my opinion, uh, because Amari Cooper, who we talked about on Friday, I thought Amari Cooper and Zeke had to have big games for the Cowboys to win here. I, I think Amari Cooper had himself a fairly good game here. 65 yards on six catches and a touchdown. Uh, that touchdown coming on a huge, not really a huge play, but a tw- 29-yard play for him where he caught it on a slant and took it to the house. Vintage Amari Cooper there and again proving his worth for the number one pick that the Cowboys gave up for him and going to be very interesting to see if the Cowboys maybe try and get a deal done with him in the offseason. They can pick up his fifth-year option, which is worth thir- a little over $13 million, so it will be very, very interesting to see if they just pick that up and then do nothing, maybe try and work out a deal next year if they try and work out a deal this summer. Also, the rookie Michael Gallup had himself a great day here, boosting up his dynasty stock in a big way. Six catches and 119 yards looked great in this game, and good for him. I thought that he would have a much better year uh, than he did this year, so good to see him kind of come through in a big way in the playoffs for the Cowboys. For the Rams, Jared Goff, just 186 yards in the air, uh, actually outrushed Dak getting 12 yards, which was uh, fairly interesting to me, but they did not need much. Much from him in this one because, well, the running backs here. First time two running backs in the same game have gone over 100 yards. It has happened before for San Francisco back in 2013, the San Francisco 49ers were able to do it. However, it was Colin Kaepernick, obviously the quarterback at the time, rushed for over 100 yards as well as Frank Gore did uh, back when he was still with the 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. In this one, it was actually two running backs. C.J. Anderson, who looks... No joke, like he weighs three bills right now. Like he looks like he weighs a good 300 pounds. Uh, way at Jersey is just snugly fitting over that dad bod he's got rocking. But still runs for 123 yards on 23 carries and two touchdowns. While Todd Gurley follows up with 115 yards on 16 carries and one touchdown. Uh, Gurley adding just three yards in the receiving game, so not doing much there. Uh, but both those guys looked great against what was a vaunted, in my opinion, Cowboys defense. Uh, they had not allowed anybody to score 30 points on them all season or more than 30 points. Technically, they still hold that in not allowing the Rams to put up more than 30. They only put up 30, uh, but they just got run all over what I thought, and I'm sure many other agreed with uh, the best linebacking duo in the game with Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, and they just got beat down. And that was really all that the Rams needed because none of the wide receivers did much of anything. We talked about on Friday, I thought Brandon Cooks would have to have a big game for them to win this one. He did get 65 yards on four catches, had two touchdowns called back, uh, so he was on his way to a big game there and playing very well. Robert Woods got you 69 yards on six catches as well. But of course, my sleeper, and I gotta take the L on this big time, guys, and uh, man, am I sorry. Jeez, I'm an idiot! 
I really thought that Gerald Everett was going to have a good game here. I talked about how I felt felt that was the matchup that the Rams could get against the Cowboys. He did absolutely nothing. Zero catches and zero yards. So if you played him on my recommendation, I failed you on that, and I do apologize. Getting into the first game on Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers came up short 28-41 to against the New England Patriots, and it, in all honesty, was a beat down. Again, the final score does not do this game justice. The Patriots were up 35-7 going into half and actually scored on their first four possessions. I believe at one point uh, it was 21-7. There was a muffed punt. The Patriots were able to score again. Get it up to 20, or no, that was a, actually, that was already when they were up 28-7. to They score, again, scored on their first four possessions, which had never happened before. Then even scored on their first three possessions, what they did as well. The game looked like it was going to be very interesting about five minutes in when the Patriots scored. Uh, they took, they did actually take about five, six minutes off the clock. Then Chargers go right down the field. Keenan Allen puts a nice little double move on Stephon Gilmore to score a touchdown. And you're thinking, all right, this is going to be a game. I cannot wait to see how this turns out. And then the Patriots turned it on, and the Chargers had no answer as Richard Seymour was in the backfield from the word go. He's practically living back there with Phillip Rivers, annoying him, getting to him in the entire game. For the Chargers, Phillip Rivers in the end makes it look like he comes through for you with 331 in the air with three touchdowns and the one interception, though almost all of that coming in garbage time. Melvin Gordon does absolutely nothing in this one, 15 yards on nine carries and one touchdown. For the wide receivers, surprisingly, almost all these guys come through for you. Yet again, all this coming at the end of the game with the game completely out of reach. Tyrell Williams, 94 yards on five catches. Keenan Allen got you 75 yards on two catches and the one touchdown. And of course, Mike Williams, the guy that I talked about think feeling like he was going to have a big game here, 68 yards on five. And then Antonio Gates, probably his last game in the NFL, definite Hall of Famer in my opinion, 41 yards on five catches and one touchdown. For the Patriots, we talked about it Friday, Julian Edelman was the guy uh, for them, and he came through big time in this one. Nine catches for 151 yards. Playoff James White said he was going to be a, a big game here for him as well. 97 yards on 15 catches, you guys. 15 catches out of the backfield. Just ridiculous. Tom Brady though. So if you were to tell me that the Patriots are going to put up 41 points on someone, Tom Brady was going to throw it for 44, 44 attempts that he must have put up like 3, 4, 5 touchdowns, right? 343 yards in the air. You're thinking, oh my god. Tom Brady lit it up. One touchdown. Just just through one. Just one touchdown, guys. Because Sony Michelle was lighting it up on the ground. 129 yards on 24 carries and three touchdowns. Rex Burkhead ends up sneaking into the end zone at the end of the game as well with one touchdown on 12 yards. Just a huge game for the Patriots. Matching up with what likely is going to be, in all honesty, both these matchups, I think after they played each other early in the year, a lot of people would have signed up for and said, hey, you know what, I'm good with Patriots Chiefs as uh, the AFC championship game and the Saints and the Rams being the NFC one. And, and that is exactly what we got because the Saints were able to pull off the win uh, in what looked to be a very uh, good game for the most part, most of the game. Eagles losing 14-20 to again. 
Really, though, when you get down and look at it, the Saints controlled this game almost for the entire game, yet Philly had a chance to get back into it. Uh, a ball gets through Alshon Jeffrey's hands at Marshawn Lattimore is able to intercept and pretty much ends the game and uh, the back-to-back uh, -back championship hopes for the Eagles. But Nick Foles, 201 in the air with one touchdown, two interceptions, does get a rushing touchdown, though. And that was it, really. Nobody in the rushing game did anything. Wendell Smallwood, 33 yards on 10 carries. Uh, Nelson Aguilar gets a carry in here with, for one for 12 yards as well. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, though he took the loss on his shoulders and everything, I don't personally think it was his fault. You can put a, a lot of blame on a lot of players throughout that game and different things. Uh, but the ball, he was the last player that technically touched the ball when it tipped through his hands. Does put you up. 36 yards on five catches. Zach Ertz had himself a small game as well, all things considered, with 50 yards on five catches. Jordan Matthews was the one who got the touchdown on a very nice throw from Nick Foles, just a one catch for the 37-yard touchdown. So that gives us, again, the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. Rams traveling across the country to go play in the Dome against the Saints for the early game, I believe, on Sunday. It is the early game, but, uh, you know, how about I actually give you guys what the Saints did? Because uh, we did have a huge performance in that one. So Drew Brees comes through for you big in this one. 301 in the air with one, uh, I'm sorry, two touchdowns and one interception. Uh, good day for Brees in this one. Alvin Kamara has a huge day. 71 yards. This is a guy we talked about. I mean, not that that was uh, you know, a big risk right there, jumping on out on a, on a very uh, thin branch, because it wasn't. But I did think that Alvin Kamara was going to have a much better day than Mark Ingram. He gets you 71 yards on 16 carries, adds 35 yards on four receptions as well. We've got Mark Ingram gets you just 53 yards on nine carries. But the guy of the day, Michael Thomas, the guy I talked about at the beginning of the year being the wide receiver one that obviously did not happen. Uh, thought he might even break the reception record, uh, take it back away from Marvin Harrison with the way he started out earlier in the year. That didn't happen either, but still caps off so far another great game and another gr and a great year for him. 12 receptions on 171 yards and one touchdown. Teddy Ginn, Teddy Ball game here, I thought was going to have a very good day. Kind of fell up short in this one as well with 44 yards on three catches. Now, again, that locks us into the Los Angeles Rams traveling to the Dome in New Orleans for the early game next week. Um, the 205 kickoff, and then we have obviously the Page traveling to Kansas City for the late Sunday afternoon game. Both games should be awesome with a chance, obviously, for all these guys to go to the Super Bowl going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see what this weekend brings for us football-wise. Definitely should be two good games compared to, well, again, the craptastic games we got earlier this weekend. <laughs> Listen up, everybody. I have some news. All right, so for the news, uh, not much. We did just have a, a pretty big bombshell drop, although not a lot of people, or a lot of people should have been expecting this with all the talk going on this weekend. I'll jump into that second. Uh, again, the uh, Freddie Kitchens was officially named the Cleveland Browns head coach. Again, many of you know who've been listening. I'm a huge Browns fan, excited about this. If you're a Browns fan, uh, 
definitely check out that press conference if you didn't get to watch it do that guy's just awesome uh talking about how he wanted to wear uh, the dog pound hoodie but the pr department wouldn't let him they didn't want him to wear the baseball hat either but he was able to get that on there love this guy's very genuine um and in all honesty him and dorsey are hiring an all-star staff i cannot wait to see what this team is able to do in 2019 they've got steve wilkes coming on as the defensive coordinator he when in carolina uh, coached that team to top 10 performances on defense every year he was there when he left. They plummeted. They did lose a couple players here and there, for instance, Josh Norman. Uh, but I do think that Denzel Ward is better than what Josh Norman was. I love Miles Garrett rushing the passer. I think he's better than anybody Carolina had had. Now I'll take Thomas Davis at linebacker and Luke Keekley at linebacker for the Panthers over anybody the Browns have. Uh, but I do think they've got a rock-solid defense that Wilkes is going to be able to mold into what he needs them to do. Bringing in Tom Munkin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, as offensive coordinator, though Freddie Kitchen said he is still going to be the one calling the play, so interested to see how that works. I really thought that Freddie Kitchens would come in um, and allow someone else to come in and run the offense and him just kind of work on developing Baker. I thought he did a great job of that last year when he was kind of put into that role and the offensive coordinator role. Again, uh, I thought he was awesome calling plays. We talked about it uh, last week with the stat about the uh, the yards per play that they were running, how it was right up there just behind the greatest show on turf Rams is the best in the NFL you know, since the merger. So they were doing great things on offense with him there. So we'll see. I do think, uh, you know, as I talked about with Andy Reid, that is a lot to ask of certain coaches to be a coordinator while also being a head coach because they're going to get into certain situations where they need to focus on the big picture and not necessarily the little things, but I'm also not a head coach, never have been, so I may not uh, know it at all what I'm talking about, and I can fully admit that, but I'm definitely excited to see what they're able to do. Of course, the big news uh, that just came out about 15 minutes ago, Kyler Murray is entering the NFL draft. He put in his papers today. He has declared he will be there. Very interesting to see how this is going to work out. So a lot of people talking about he may just be using this as leverage against the uh, the baseball, uh, against MLB. MLB uh, flew a couple of their people out there, Billy Bean and some other people along with Major League Baseball, to try and convince him otherwise, to convince him to stay with baseball. Uh, what they would do is be able to throw a little bit more money at him than the minor league contract he signed by signing him to a major league contract, put, adding him to the 40-man roster. Um, and at that point, they could pay him you know, whatever they wanted. Uh, a lot of talk is that he's uh, aiming for a little bit more than $15 million due to the fact that that is chances what he's going to get, depending on where he's drafted in the NFL that's right around the 15th pick guaranteed money is what uh what you'd get uh that's uh kind of what he was projected earlier uh, right around the 15th pick so again you're you're guaranteed about 15 million right around there so a lot of the talk is that he's using that as leverage to get the A's to pay him more than that I and then there was obviously uh, before I get into the other part talk today that he's using also this to play against the NFL saying hey you know what if you guys really want me you need to kind of give me like the wink wink nod nod that you're going to take me before this certain picker you're going to take me in the top 15 top 10 top 8 my thing with Kyler Murray is dude is electric he is an amazing college football player do not get me wrong what he did at Oklahoma winning the Heisman and everything uh, I do think some of that has to be credited uh, to Lincoln Riley and the offense that he runs because he was able to do it back-to-back years with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield obviously 
And don't get me wrong, I love Baker. We all know I love Baker. I think Baker is the truth. The difference between Baker and Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray is not 5'10", like he is listed. There is absolutely no way. If he measures out at 5'10", or taller, at the combine, because he will obviously more than likely be there, I will give 100 bucks to whatever charity he sponsors, because it's complete bullshit. I'm just going to say that now. There's no way that dude is 5'10". I know that's what he is listed at. I've seen him standing next to people. He's not. He's at best 5'8". There's nobody who has ever played quarterback and succeeded that small. You know, I'm thinking of like Troy Smith, who's the same, and a Heisman winner, a Heisman Trophy winner out of Ohio State, and he couldn't do it in the NFL. Baker, Russell, Drew Brees, they are all at least 5'10". Kyler Murray is not. I personally do not see how a team could draft him in the first round, much less in the top 10, and expect him to be their franchise quarterback. I don't mean to be the whole get-off-my-lawn guy on this. I just personally do not see it happening. I don't see how it could work. You know, I understand, much like Baker, you can get it out fairly quickly or roll him out uh, so that the ball doesn't get batted down at the line like we've seen with Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and, and Baker because they are the shorter of the quarterbacks in the game. But Kyler Murray's even smaller than that. I just don't see it. I wish all... I wish nothing but the best for the kid. I personally talked about I thought that he should go into uh, into baseball because it's the most guaranteed money. And I, I don't hold anything against him for what he's doing right now. I think it's a smart play to get, try and get as much money as you can right now and, and leverage both uh, leagues against each other to see who's going to pay you the most. It's a smart move. Get the money while you can. Grab that bag and run, baby. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And, you know, good for him for trying it. We'll see what happens, though, going forward because he's supposed to report to spring training for the athletics here within the next couple weeks. Obviously, the NFL draft is next month as well. I believe about a month away. I believe it's uh, February 15th or something like that. So he's going to have to make up his mind here what he's going to do real quick. If he's going to try and do both, if he's just going to go into the draft, if he's going to stay with the A's. It'll be a fascinating story to watch, and uh, I will definitely talk about that more on Thursday with Mr. Dennis Bennett. I'll get his opinion on it as well because that is going to do it for today's podcast. Real quick, actually, before I before I sign off, if you guys haven't seen the Adam Gase press conference for the New York Jets, you guys got to watch it. This dude looks like he is tripping balls. Like he is taking a bad batch of LSD or something and is seeing pink elephants and flying unicorns all around the back of the room. <laughs> it is hilarious. I'm telling you, just watch this interview and tell me that this dude does not look high as fuck in this thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyways, that right there will do it for today's podcast. Again, I'll be back on uh Thursday. I'm not going to do one Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, just because there's really not going to be much to talk about. But I'll be back on Thursday for an extra long podcast with my guy, Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach. We will be talking all kinds of prospects. Again, probably just going to stick with quarterbacks and running backs this time around, and we'll get into wide receivers and tight ends next time. Uh, but we will be talking our top 10 prospects there. Obviously, we'll get into the Kyler Murray news. We'll have a full picture of the entire draft class at that point, so it'll be fun to get into that, get who he likes, hear who I like, see if maybe we've got uh, some differences and how different we feel on certain players. Again, still pretty early in the process, but always fun to debate that right now as we start moving closer and closer to the uh, to the combine, uh, and then we will preview. I will get his thoughts on the Bow Championship games, and I will give mine on Thursday as well. So, 
guys, enjoy the next couple days um, of, of everything going on. Enjoy your nights. Obviously, no football, which, which does suck. But just enjoy yourselves, and uh, I'll be back on Thursday. Talk to you guys then. Peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your pop on ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs>